Okay, let's get started. So, welcome to the second episode of the Bottom of the Ninth Podcast. I'm your host, Ram Sami, and alongside me is Luis Aguirre Jr., and we have an interesting list of topics for you, and let's get started. How you doing, Luis? Pretty good. Everything's like opening now, um, but like still gotta like quarantine some type of way, you know, like still gotta stay safe, you know, like never, never feel like this disease is like over yet, you know, because things are opening. Yeah. But, like, I feel like people should take into consideration that, like, still, like, take those precautions, you know? But everything's yeah. good over here, bro. How's it over there? Uh, pretty good. I think uh, people – I think yesterday California's governor announced that sports could start up back again in, in, on June 1st or around that first week. So I think a lot of people were excited about that. But most people will still stay indoors. I think that's a good thing. And then I think sooner than later, we'll all be outside. So I'm pretty excited to see where this goes from here on out. Did you read Blake Snell's uh, Twitter rant about how he didn't want to go back to playing baseball? No, I did not. I did not. Okay. That, we'll leave it at that. He doesn't want to come <laughs> back. Okay. He's enjoying He's enjoying MLB the show. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that – I didn't realize that they were all playing. It's, it looks like fun. Yeah. I've, I've only played, like, a couple games of those, and I'm not that good at that specific video game, so I've never really taken a liking to it. But, yeah. Uh, so, on this day, May 19th, in, uh, two, in 1976, uh, Carl Yastrzemski passed Boston legend Ted Williams for the most games played in a Red Sox uniform. Uh, so Luis, you're a Yankees fan, but when I say the Red Sox, what players come to your mind? Um, in my mind, I see Pedro Martinez, Manny Ramirez, Big Poppy, okay. uh, Mike Lowell. Mike Lowell. Oh Spira, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Lowell. Um, a lot of people would be like, "What about Garcia Parra?" And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. Like I, I, don't know. I see more like. Justin Pedroia over Garcia Parra any day. Like, I would see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree like, with I that. Know. I don't know. Garcia Parra was in important games, but, like, I don't think he contributed as much as Poppy Ramirez or Pedroia. Even That's Ellsbury true. contributed more than Garcia Ellsbury. Parra. Yeah, in my yeah, mind, well. definitely was Ellsbury. Uh, more recently was Betts, I think. I also remember, like, some random players, like Shane Victorino. He was on that yeah. 2011 team with them. Thirteen, yeah, thirteen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly think that's one of the worst, wor- like worst World Series teams, because like the year before, I think they had Adrian Gonzalez and all those players, and they traded those guys away, and they had all this cap space, and then like they didn't want to do long contracts, so they gave like Victorino like three years, thirty nine million dollars, a couple other like guys who were like right at the end of their prime of their careers, but they gave them all, like, short-term deals, like, three years for, like, not a lot of money, and they they ended up winning it. But that team wasn't good. Like, they still had, like, their big players, like Ortiz and everyone. But, they, yeah. like, the, all, like, the new Arsenal that they added wasn't that good, but that was an interesting team for me. Uh, Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, definitely. Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski. I'll always remember Babe Ruth just because, like, what the Red Sox owner did and just gave him up for nothing. Now I always remember, um, um, I forgot his name. Oh my, Jason Veritek, the captain, bro. Oh, catcher, captain. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that when you were talking, I was thinking of that, but I just uh missed my mind. I'll always remember that uh bloody sock game, Kurt Schilling. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. The, the, yeah, that year is crazy. Oh four. 
Yeah, for me, like probably one of the best pitchers besides Pedro Martinez, uh, Derek Lowe. Oh Derek yeah, yeah, Lowe. definitely. Uh, Josh yeah, Beckett. Four season. Yeah, Josh yeah, yeah. Beckett as well. Josh Beckett. Papelbon was on that team too, but I don't. I think that was way after that. That's probably like that was oh seven. Oh seven. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Papelbon also at the Phillies because he got in a lot of trouble right before yeah. he went there, and then when he was there. So yeah, those are interesting memories. But yeah, Carl Yastrzemski passed Ted Williams for the most games played, and I think that record still stands to this day. I don't think anyone's gonna. Maybe Veritek came close, but I don't remember. I don't think Veritek was that good at the beginning of his career, so I don't know if he played a lot of games. But yeah, that's oh, and there's like a fun fact with Veritek. I think Veritek is the only player in history to play in the Little League World Series, College World Series, and Major League World Series. And I think the Baseball Classic and has won all in all of them. Winning all oh my god, so. that's crazy! <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about the World Baseball Classic, but I'm pretty sure he's been to the Little League World Series, the College World Series, and the Major League World Series. If, uh, just to add on to the World Baseball Classic, I think they canceled it for 2021, now it's in 2023 because of the whole coronavirus situation. Um, and we were supposed to see the qualifying games in Tucson, but they moved them out, so that was pretty disappointing. But hopefully they're still in Tucson before we graduate from the university. Okay. Uh, so let's just move on to our next topic. So Moneyball. So Luis, tell us a little bit about this, and then I'll add on with what I know. So about what I know and my understanding about Moneyball was that after the 01 season, um, Oakland basically, basically sold their, like, Organs, organs to like the rich, you know, to like the Yankees, Boston. Uh, they lost Israel Housing, they lost Giambi, they lost Damon, they lost key players from that 01 season that was really good. So Giambi got offered like this eight year deal with the Yankees, Damon got like eight million with Boston. Uh, Israel went, on, went to the Cardinals, did a great job over there, but like. Um, the Oakland A's are basically left to like not be a contender anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. They need, they need, they needed, they needed more players. But like, the key about this was that their manager Billy Bean, like the whole like, he it was his baby. Moneyball was his baby, and it it was it, it all came down to a guy named Bill James, who made like this book about statistics and stuff like that, and showed you how to reinvent baseball by using numbers. So that was really weird, but, like, I don't know. It really pissed a lot of people off because, like, the old-timers didn't want this new thing, this new innovation of reinventing baseball. But Billy Bean went around all those people. He even turned his back on some scouts and picked a few players that were – once you give gave him a look, scouts would be like, "No, he's done, he's done, he's done." But he picked up uh, Chad Bradford. He picked yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. He picked up Scott Hadamard and picked up David Justice and also picked up um, Jason's brother Jeremy Giambi. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so just. That team was just different in terms of everything that they did just because before baseball always used to be about, like, 
baseball drafting used to be like oh like he has a like that guy has a hot girlfriend so he'll probably be good at the plate like he's a big guy like he's gonna hit for 500 home runs or whatever it it just kind of was like a physical test like people would they would send scouts to go look at him and if he looked good they'd hire like he'd probably play but then um these money ball like so I think this team is like most memorable just because of like the way that they changed baseball like they didn't spend a lot of money but yet they still like look for specific statistics that made players like good so like on base percentage and like instead of like batting average and stuff like that spin rate they looked at a lot of different things like um the velocity exit velocity and the like the numbers that they came up with back then are are what baseball is about now like if you watch an ESPN broadcast now like they'll tell you about like how many revolutions a certain pitcher gets and everything like that and for like the average fan that might not be most interesting but they are they like these like a lot of general managers now were inspired by Moneyball and what Billy Bean did and Billy Bean's still doing it like the Oakland A's don't spend a lot of money on their baseball team yet they always find guys who are good at what they do and a lot of team, a lot of people have been inspired by these guys, and it was also like it also inspired the Brad Pitt movie um, with the Oakland A's. Yeah, so, and the thing with that special team is that, like, with that low of a payroll, they were able to win twenty straight games, which is like the major league record till today. Twenty straight games. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, just looking at their roster. Um, Oh, for the 20, 2002 team, their highest paid player was Jermaine Dye at $7 million. And David Justice was their second highest player, uh, paid player at $7 million. And they only had two all-stars on this team. And the two all-stars were Barry Zito making on his rookie contract. I think this was a year he won the Cy Young. I'm not sure. Uh, he made $295,000. And Miguel Tejada was making... Uh, $3.6 million. So just goes to show you like how low of a payroll this was. They kind of like use like all these like, uh, and like they don't, it's not a bad team. Like I know these guys, but like they made a lot of money with the latter end of their careers. They used these seasons where they didn't make a lot of money to inspire them to get longer contracts. Like Barry Zito made 295000 this uh for this year but then I think like three or four years later right before 07 he went he went across the Bay Bridge to the Giants and he signed like a hundred million dollar contract there so this goes to show you like that this team was crazy for just how it was put together and the thing about David Justice it was like um uh, Steinbrenner was so pissed at the client you could see how much he declined like in the one world series you can see how much he stopped producing. Like in the World Series with the Yankees, he like couldn't feel, he couldn't hit. So what happened with that contract was that the Yankees were paying half of his salary while he was still in Oakland. So that was weird. They were paying the Oakland A's were oh, paying so that him means his three million. A, yeah. Wow. That's and crazy. the Yankees were paying the other half just to play against them, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah, they were trying to get off of him as quick as possible because they were so like well, not the Yankees, but the owner, Steinbrenner, who was just so pissed at his decline. Like, he ate up yeah. a big chunk of his con just to get rid of him. You know, like, it, it was weird. 
And we'll come to David Justice later too, because he was also on that Indian uh, team uh, when in 1998, which is our next topic, but we'll come back to that. So I just want to bring up a quick point uh, for that coaching staff. I, I'm always interested by coaching staffs just to see like how many of these guys become managers and everything like that. So their coaching staff was Arha, who was their manager. He coached this team, obviously. But also at the latter end of their coaching staff, their third base coach is Ron Washington, who read the Rangers to the World Series in 2010-11. He was there for a while. I think now he's with the Braves. So he, he was their third base coach. Their first base coach was Mike Quaid, who was the coach right before Joe Madden for the Cubs, or right before Joe Madden, Dale Swem for uh, Mike Quaid. He was their Cubs uh, manager from 2010 to 2011. And they also had a couple other guys. Um, Brad Fisher was their bullpen coach. I believe that he coached some team or no, I don't think he coached. It was Hart Howe. Ken Macho was also the coach on that team. And he coached a lot. He coached a major league team. So it's just going to show you like they also found talent with their coaching staff. Um, okay. Just moving on from there. Uh, any closing remarks? What do you remember about this team? Uh, they lost to the Yankees, right? Or in the NLC? They lost to the NLC. Twins. In the, the twins. twins. Yeah, the thing about it was that, like, baseball, I don't know, baseball can't be reinvented, you know? Like, yeah, like, it'll work, but to a certain extent, you know, like, at the end of the day, it'll still be the same baseball you need to bunt you need to steal you need all of that stuff you need to move runs over and they didn't do that it just went off by the statistics and got people on base knowing what their like play discipline was at that time you know like you need to you need to sacrifice players you need to do moves you need to make make strategic moves all around throughout the game you know like you just can't like reinvent the game yeah that's, that's definitely true um so yeah, their uh, I think their best hitter that year was Miguel Tejada at 308, and Scott Hatterberg, who I think was a catcher before that time. This is who Chris Pratt plays in the movie. I think he put uh, he played catcher for most of his career, and then somehow like they ended up convincing him to go be a first baseman for them. And no one really knew why they picked him up because he wasn't that good with the, his previous team, but they picked him up and he ended up doing really well for them that year. Yeah, I think Scott Hatterberg uh, had some unrepairable nerve damage in his throwing arm, so he couldn't throw anymore from, like, the catcher position, so that's why they put him at first. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, com- that just came back to me. Yep, that was correct. And then he ended up uh, – I saw him recently, actually. I think he still uh, – he said he was still working for the A's as, like, an advisor to Billy Bean. So that's kind of cool. Um. So, yeah, let's move on from there. Um, uh, so let's go to the Hall of Good team. So these are the Hall of uh, – th- these are players that are not in the Hall of Fame that don't have steroid era issues. They were good, but they weren't good enough to make it to the Hall of Fame. So they might have had, like, one or two really good years, or they might have just had, like, really good careers, but not the best careers in order to make it to the Hall of Fame. So let's go position by position, and then once I say a position – uh, I can say my players, and then you can say it, Luis. So, Luis, uh, do you want to get started off with catcher? 
Uh, so for my catcher, <laughs> like it, it was weird for me. Like, I don't know, because there's so many good catchers that never will never make the Hall of Fame. Like, yeah, definitely. have never made it. Uh, it's it was really hard for me because, like, obviously I want to go with Georgie Posada, you know, because like he's my guy. But at the same time, I kind of feel like Joe Girardi was a way better catcher than Posada. True. Yeah. So my so, two guys either were. Either those two. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I agree with that. So my two guys were also Jorge Posada because he wasn't the best throw on these Yankees team, but he was all, he was always there. And he had a really good career. All those rings he had, like, postseason performances. But he wasn't the best player and he was a good catcher. He was well-liked by his teammates. They still respect him. And um, so, yeah, I'm just going to say, like, Jorge Posada. And then I also put Victor Martinez because uh, he was good for a long time. And I don't know, like, he's eligible to make the Hall of Fame this year or last year. I think it was his first year. But I don't know if he'll make it. Uh, but I put him on that list just because, like, I remember all those offense performances he had with the Rangers, the Tigers, and all those teams. So, Victor Martinez for me, just because he was good. He, I just – the first player I could think of for a Hall of Good was Victor Martinez. And I put another guy, Mickey Tillotson. Yeah, uh, definitely. I just showed you my baseball card. Yeah. He had a good, like, a good run at the A's organization, but once he transitioned to Detroit, he was just on fire there, you know. It was just That's crazy. Um, uh, let's go to first base. Uh, so for first base, I also have – I have two Yankees at this position. Oh, you want to guess who they are? Uh, what year? What year? Um, this guy played for, I think, 03 to 07, maybe 08. Interesting. And then the next guy played from 08 to probably like 13, 14. Mark Teixeira is one of them. Yep. And the other one was Jason Giambi. Jason Giambi. Oh. Well, you got to – I got to admit, Jason Giambi wasn't a good first baseman. He was a good hitter. For sure. Yeah. Okay. He played first base before, <laughs> like, at the beginning of his career. And then – but Teixeira made, just made sense. Like, he's a Hall of Good. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's a good player. He made a lot of money for what he did, but he's not, like, a guy you associate with. Oh, like yeah, he, he's he's a he's a player you can't compare to Eddie Murray. I mean, like even though he was switch hitter, Eddie Murray is still up top, man. Like he's not even close to Eddie Murray. And it's sad to say that because I'm a Yankees fan, you know. But like it has yeah. to be said, you know. Like come on, like I don't know. He he had a lot of gold gloves though. He was he was pretty consistent at that for his base. That's true. Uh, uh, I have John your John voice cut out. Food. Repeat that. John Olerud as my first baseman. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like him. John Olerud played with the Mariners, the Blue Jays, those championship teams, the Blue Jays, and was with the Yankees for a while, like, in 05. But, like, John Olerud was so consistent, dude. Like, God, he was such a, like, a natural player. He was the, the only player to ever be on the field with the helmet on, like, under his cap. He had That's his crazy. own style. Yeah. Um, okay, second baseman. I have a person who we talked about on our last episode, Jeff Kent, MVP in 1997, I think. And he was just, uh, or not 97, maybe 01, I think. I forget, but NL MVP. And he was good with the Giants. Uh, 
he was just a good player, man. I don't know if he'll ever make the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's one of my favorite players, and he was good for a long time, and he had uh, two or three seasons where he was one of the best players at his position. Uh, the other two yeah, I had were yeah. guys who played more recently, Ian Kinsler uh, and Chase Utley. I think Chase Utley might make the Hall of Fame, but it's too early. Like Utley had this really good uh, good career with the Phillies, uh, latter end of the Dodgers, and then Kinsler was really good with the Rangers. Man, those are the first two teams or first two players when I think of when I think of like good second baseman Kinsler and Utley. And I don't know if they'll make it to the Hall of Fame. And another one I was really confused about was Robinson Cano because I think he's a Hall of Famer, but like he's not he's not liked by media per se, so I don't I don't think he'll make the Hall of Fame. And he's, he's on that player. PED, so he's on that PED list as well. I forgot that fifty game suspension, not mentioned a lot. Who are your second baseman? My second baseman gotta go old school again, Edgardo Alfonso. Oh, okay. Edgardo Alfonso had this unique style that he brought to the Mets, which, like, ended up taking that whole team with Mike Piazza and all those guys to the World Series in 2000. And he was – he saved – well, it was because of him that they won. I think it was game five. They won yeah. game five because of him. His amazing defense at second base just kept the Mets alive, you know. And then he transitioned to San Francisco and had a heck of a career there, too, to, like, end his whole entire career put together. That's true. Um, I- Third base, I have Bob Roland and Evan Longoria. Longoria is still playing, but I don't know if he's going to end. He played for a really small town in Tampa Bay where, I mean, they don't play in Tampa Bay. They play in St. Petersburg, but that team just wasn't like, a, I mean, they were good, but they didn't, they're they not in a big market, so they don't get mentioned a lot. But Longoria, he, he's, he hasn't been that good in recent years, but I think, at the beginning slash prime of his career, early prime of his career. He was one of the best players in baseball. So, yeah, Evan Longoria, Scott Rowland, um, he was one of my favorite players growing up, and I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame just for the amount of quality years he put together. My third baseman should be in the Hall of Fame, but isn't, my man. What team did he play for? My Yankees. (laughs) Who is it? Greg Nettles, my man. Who? Okay. Nettles. Are you telling me that the leader in home runs for a third, for a third baseman is not in the Hall of Fame? Like, are you serious right now? Like, for the yeah. American League? Like, come on. Like, come on. Mike Schmidt has a National League home run record for all third baseman, but Greg Nettles has the American League most home runs. Like, come on, man. Like, how can he not be in the Hall of Fame? How? Yeah. That's true. Um, my, like we said last last week, third base is one of those positions where, like, it's just hard to see, like, a good player. Like, there just hasn't been that much talent. Like, I had a, lot, a tough time figuring out, like, a third baseman who wasn't impacted with PEDs in order to be the best third baseman. And Mike Schmidt was, like, the only one in that name. And Greg Nettle was on, on, like, second or third on that list, too. So, yeah, he was good, man. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know, man. Greg Meadows was an I was a great defender. Great defender. I don't know. I don't know why yeah. people wouldn't vote for him. If if the home run king for the American League and all their basement, doesn't make the Hall of Fame, man, besides the, winning all those gold gloves yeah. and having that defensive show in the in the seventies against the Dodgers in the World Series, like come on, he has more home runs than George Brett, dude. Come That's on. true. 
That's but crazy. I think the I think the thing about the Hall of Fame is like the same thing that happened with Greg Biggio. If he would not have gone to three thousand hits, I don't think he makes a Hall. Yeah. I think the thing with the Hall of Fame is they look at if you're the second, the first or second best player on your team during like your years that you played with the like in your prime, you played with that team, and then I think like the next thing that they look at is if you were liked by the media at that time. A lot of people who, like Barry Bonds, I think like even with the steroids, he could probably make the Hall of Fame, but like he wasn't like that friendly with the media. As a result, I don't think he'll ever make the Hall of Fame. Just because like the media is the one who votes, and if you're not friendly with the media, like why, why should they vote for you? Yeah, I get that. Uh, shortstop. Okay, for shortstop, I have two guys. I have a guy we talked about earlier on this episode with the Red Sox, Nomar Garcia Parra. He wasn't that great, but he was still really good. Uh, and then I also have Miguel Tejada with the A's, Orioles, and Astros uh, with the Moneyball A's and everything. Uh, he played for my Giants in the late, latter end of his career. Uh, I think like maybe eleven or twelve. But he was one of my favorite shortstops growing up. Yeah, I can't argue with that. He was really good, really consistent. Uh, dude, my lineup is just old school, my man. Like, it's crazy. Uh, I have Davy Concepcion from the Reds in the 70s. Wow, okay. I like Davey, that. Davy Concepcion, yeah. Davy Concepcion, he's, I don't know, he was a big part of that red machine in the 70s. Yeah. That's true. And I don't know. It was pretty hard for Brady Larkin to replace that guy after he was over, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like I feel like David Concepcion should be in the Hall of Fame, you know? But, like, apparently he's in the Hall of Good. But, yeah, I would go with him. That's true. Okay. Left field, I have two guys. Both played in the NL. Lance Berkman with the Astros and Matt Holliday with the Cardinals and a couple other teams, the Rockies as well. So, yeah, two guys that um, were, weren't were quite the best, but they were probably like top 20 to 30 of their time. Oh, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Lance Berkman came in clutch in so many postseason teams, bro. Yeah. Like with the Cardinals in 2011. Uh, come on, like he came up with the Yankees as well. When he was with the Yankees, it was really like, Came in clutch some some situations. I only I thought he had a lot more home runs, but he ended up with 355 home runs. I just remember him as like some dude who hit like dangers, and it just I was like only 355. Like I kept refreshing that number to see if it would load, but it was only 355. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a five to a player just to add on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left my left fielder, bro. I don't know how he's not even in the Hall of Fame. Dale Murphy from the Braves. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy. He was an. He was another animal in the outfield, man. Look at it. Look at his size, bro. He was. He was a big guy. Yeah. And, you know, he had those great years with the Braves organization. Like for the Braves, were actually a contender team in the '90s. He was through the rough times in the '80s. You know, like he was there through it all. Nice. Um, my right fielder. Uh, do you want to do center field or right field first? Oh, whichever, bro. It's fine. Okay, let's do right field. I have one name, Bobby Abreu, with the Phillies. La Luce. Uh, just uh, guy hit 
guy hit for a lot of power. He didn't really – wasn't that good at defense. He couldn't move well, but he just ended up being a really good player. And he was one of my favorites because if you look at his face, he kind of looks like a rat. Like, he would look like with his ears would pop out. But I just thought he was, like, so funny. Every time I saw him play, like, I couldn't believe that he was a baseball player. But he was just a good player. I don't think he'll ever be in the Hall of Fame. But he was just a good player for a long time. Yeah, I got my man, Paul O'Neill. Oh, okay. Also part of that 98 Yankees team that we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Okay. Center field, I have two guys. Um, one who was with the Indians in 98, Kenny Lofton, one of the best center fielders of all time, not in the Hall of Fame. And I also – I think even if you – I think he has a case to be in the Hall of Fame because he was one of the best players in baseball for, I think, like a good three- or four-year span. Like, it wasn't like a long span, but, like, I think if you want to ring or if he had one more stat that would, like, more gold gloves, something, I think he would be in the Hall of Fame. But just because he didn't win that ring, I don't think he's, like, really talked about as much as other players. And my other one was uh, Edmonds. Jim Edmonds. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, I got Jimmy on my squad. Yeah, the the thing about, um, like, um, what you said was that, like, I don't know, people are just, like, if you're, if you're not popular, like, I guess you you're, you don't get the vote, you know? Yeah, that's true. Because Kenny Lofton was loved by everyone. Like, you couldn't say a bad thing about him. Even when he used to play basketball for the University of Arizona, you know? Like, he was just a great teammate all around. I forgot that he went to the U of A. Yeah, and then he that. went to, like, like so many All-Star games where he was a leadoff, like, all, like every single All-Star yeah. game. It was either him – or Biggio, you know, like it, it 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 depended on what side of the league he was, either in the American League or the National League. Yeah, but he was always there. He was always there. That's true. Um, yeah, Edmonds, I think he was just good for a long time. I, I don't want to get too much into him because I think we talked about him for a bit last week, but yeah, oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you say your center fielders? Yeah, I do you have your starting rotation or like did I just do I it by myself? <laughs> I had two st- I I put two starting pitchers and three three relief pitchers. Like if you have a starting All rotation, right. go for it. All right, so my starting rotation is David Cohn, Cliff Lee, Doc Gooden, Steve Avery, and Dave Steeb, with my closer being Billy Wagner. Ooh, okay. Um, so we actually have some, uh, some crossover, but so my pitchers, I just put up a quick rotation together. So my pitchers were, um, Johan Santana with the Mets and twins. Do you remember him? Yeah. Ball dude. who was yeah. good. He had, oh yeah. He had a perfect no, he was yeah, yeah. great. He was one of the best lefties in baseball at the time. Yeah. I think he had a side young too. I can't remember, but Roy Oswald yeah, with the twins. With, yeah, the, with twins. the Twins, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roy Oswald with the Astros and Phillies, I think, in 2012 or maybe uh, 10, I forget. But Roy Oswald was just – he could he was a flamethrower, but he was great at what he did. Um, And then I have Cliff Lee, like you said. And then my back of the rotation is Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain, two of my personal favorites. Hats throw the Giants. Yeah. Uh, my relief pitchers, I had three. So I had Joe Nathan from the Twins, who played for a couple other teams towards the end of his career. He didn't really have a great career to close it out, but he was really good. Kerry Wood is a relief pitcher with the Cubs. Ooh. 
he was also good as a starter, but I remember him more for, like just because the relief pitching was like when I was a little kid, and I, I actually remember that. So Kerry Wood, because I always thought he had electric stuff, and Billy Wagner also with the Mets. Going back to Kerry Wood, man, he wasn't just a good pitcher. He was a good hit pitcher, man. Like, he could hit bombs. Like, I remember the NLCS in 03, he had a couple bombs off of, like, the Marlins in that playoff series that they yeah, eventually okay. lost, right? But, like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Hit, he hit those home runs, like, like nothing. Or, like, he, he was just a regular $10 million ball player, you know, which he wasn't at the time. One of my least favorite uh, – I, I didn't want to put Billy Wagner on this list, but he was good. Uh, I also was going to put Papelbon. I, I, I thought of a r- lot of random closers that I could be on this list, but Papelbon was on that list too. Uh, Fernando Rodriguez – or I forget his name, Rodriguez, Francisco, yeah, Francisco Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing with Billy Wagner that I hate, hated the most was uh, – I think it was in 2013 or 11 maybe when – it was that uh, all-star game, and they went through 15 or 16 innings, and Billy Wagner was the last pitcher that the NL had. And in his first inning, he came up and gave up, like, the winning run. I was like, God damn it. Like, what the heck, dude? Yeah. But that was my Hall of Good team. I think those are just – that was just fun. That was just fun for me to remember because all these guys, I, I didn't, like, try to use a list or anything like that. I just kind of thought of it in my head, and then these players were the first ones to kind of stand out. So, as a result – I didn't remember like a lot of the old old school guys that you did, but like these guys, I think they all probably played around two thousand three. Other than Kenny Lofton, I think all those guys played in oh seven, like probably like oh seven oh eight, and they probably played well into the early two thousand twenty tens. But yeah, I just remember all those guys playing for like they were some of my favorite players growing up. Yeah, mine are from all over the place, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no worries. Okay, so do you want to get into uh, the 98 Yankees team? Well, tell me about what you know about them, and then I'll jump in. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah you get it. Me. Okay, uh, so 1998 Yankees team, Joe Torre, who's one of my favorite managers, he was a uh, uh, manager of that team. Um, so Jeter was probably their best player. I think everyone would agree with that one. Uh, Paul O'Neill. Uh, also on that team, Bernie Williams was probably the third best player. David Wells and David Cohn uh, were probably the backbone of that rotation for me. And then uh, Andy Petit. Uh, from what I remember, that Posada dude, like he wasn't like he he was their starting catcher, but he wasn't good. Like we talked about this. Like I think he was probably like an average catcher at that time, but. He was like an average, like he was an above average catcher for such a long time that we ended up putting him in the all good list. And they were probably one of the best Yankees team of all time, or maybe in your idea, the best major league baseball team of all time. And in the playoffs, they uh, they went three and over the Rangers, four and two over the Indians in the ALCS, and they swept the Padres four and zero in the World Series. And that 90 – I just want to – before you talk about the 98 Yankees, I just want to mention that the 98 Indians was probably one of my favorite teams that was kind of before my time just because Dwight Gooden, uh, Kenny Lofton, Manny Ramirez, and a Bartolo Colon who wants to come back to baseball this year, uh, Omar Vizquel, Jim Tome, uh, and David Justice were all on that team. 
Yeah, and you know about that ninety that ninety eight team, man. Um, I don't know. I think I think what you were like what you were saying about Posada. The thing about Posada that made him good in those teams were that he kept a great relationship with every pitcher, man. Like he kept a, like a really strong communication system with David Mills, with David Cohn, with Andy Pettit. Uh, not just that, but the relievers as well. Jeff Nelson, Ramirez Mendoza, and of course, Mariano Rivera, which we were, oh, yeah, we were best on. friends at the time, you know? Like, yeah, it yeah, was yeah, great. Yeah. But just that that team overall, they had a great year. Uh, David Wells pitched that perfect game in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh, everything was just great. Knobloch was still healthy. Every, everything about that team was great. Uh, and the thing that people don't give credit, they, they give a lot of credit to Joe Torrey, Don Zimmer. But what I think people should give credit to is uh, Mel Stottlemyre, man, the pitching coach. He took that pitching staff through 96, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Kept almost the same pitching staff, man. Like, that's yeah. incredible. He has two perfect games under his belt. And he won- he was the first manager, like, in that coaching staff to go and win the World Series, which he won with Mets. So, Mets in 86 against the Red Sox. He was on that pitching staff as well, so he he had he had a lot of experience going into like all those World Series championships, which they won. Yeah, and just to, I just want to add a couple quick things. Uh, I also thought it was crazy that Indeki Irabu was uh, was like the fourth best pitcher on this team. Oh, dude, don't even don't even mention him, bro. Like he didn't do anything. <laughs> I I just looked at it and I was like super confused. I was like, okay, I know who he is, but I didn't know he was like. One of the like the fourth best pitcher on this team, like oh, like obviously like he was a starting pitcher, so his stats uh like make like are more eye popping compared to Mariano Rivera. But like I was like, really, Hideki Robin is the fourth pitcher, and you can't get El Duque, man. man. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, uh, I didn't know if you knew this, but Mike Lowell is on that team for what the Yankees. Yeah, Mike Lowell. Yeah. I think he was traded in '98. Yeah, he was traded to the he, yeah he was traded to the Marlins like right after that. I think oh, okay. I don't know for I don't know for who, but yeah, I remember him with the Marlins. Traded. But I was surprised that he like played for the Yankees because I always associated him with the Marlins and the Red Sox, and it's weird to say yeah. that he played for the um, Yankees. But then uh, I also just want to quickly mention. Um, Joe Girardi was uh, like a backup catcher on this team, but I think like he mentions like I think I don't know where I heard it, but he mentioned that this was kind of the year where he figured that he could be a coach because he uh, he really saw how Joe Torrey worked and just kind of like like started to like the how the coaches and managers ended up working everything. So he always <clears throat> talks about this year. So and he became the manager of the Yankees later on, and now is the Phillies manager. Oh, Philly's manager, so that's kind of cool to mention as well. But yeah, uh, what do you remember about think, that World Series? I don't think series? he was, bro. I don't think he was uh, a backup catcher in '98 because uh, he was playing with the Colorado Rockies, which was the new ex- one of the new teams in that year. But in '98, Joe Girardi came back in '99, and then I think he won another championship as the backup catcher then. Because in '98, uh, yeah, I think he, I think he dipped. I think I'm not too sure about it. 98, he dipped in, wait, Joe Girardi, he, so he played for Colorado from 1993 uh-huh. to 1995, and from 96 
1999, he played for the Yankees, and then he ended oh, up going back to the Cubs uh, in 01 and 02. Oh, okay. okay. But, yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's, yeah. Just uh, Joe Girardi, coach after Joe Torre. I, think, I honestly think he's one of the best coaches in baseball, and I, I still have no idea why they would let him go for Boone. I don't know. I don't know. It's because yeah, I honestly don't know. I was excited about Boone because, like, you know, it's Brett Boone. Like, no, not Brett Boone. I think like Aaron, Aaron Boone. Boone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I don't know. He he comes from a very rich baseball family. And when I say rich, I'm, like, rich-minded, you know? Like, they have so much, like, um, like baseball mind to it because, like, his yeah, father yeah, yeah. was catcher. And then, like, his brother also played in the majors. His grandfather as well was a major leaguer. So, everybody it's, – it's a it's a big baseball family. And I think they can they can win the World Series, but they just – they just need to sometimes, like, stop doing strategic plays and just the game roll by itself, you know? Like, yeah. last year with the Astros, like, the Yankees would have gone to the World Series if it wasn't for that – switching of a pitcher man like come on like why would you take out chad green you know like why that's true yeah why my thing with it is um um no i completely my mind blanked out which is not really good for a podcast (laughs) but hey we learn we learn uh let's move on um so just in terms of managers where do you think joe torrey ranks on the list of like all-time managers in your head I I do love I do love Joe Torre, but you know who should be giving a lot of credit to Buck yeah. Showalter. Okay, because he he had that team when they banned George Steiner for a while, like they like suspended him because of some some stuff that happened. But him and Gene Michael said, you know what? Let's hold let's 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 get these kids. That are in our farm system. Let's not trade them. Let's just keep them there and move them up next year. So they had they had the young Jeter, Mariano Posada, Bernie Williams was there. They kept everybody in the '95 team, which was I think Don Mattingly's last year at the Yankees. So after yeah. that, after that, George Steinbrenner um, came back, fired uh, Buck Showalter, and then the '96. Look what happened. They just won the World Series. You know, they kept the same young kids. That Buck Showalter basically mentored and like Ben, you know, like yeah, I yeah, think he should get all the credit for those championship teams because I don't think they even like changed anything. I just think '97 was just not a good playoff team. I, I they didn't perform that well against the Indians. Yeah, so, yeah, man, that's about it. Like Joe Torre, loved by many. I love him to death. Great baseball manager, but like I think Buck Showalter deserve deserves some love too. For me, the best Yankees manager is Casey Stengel, who is probably like the coach of Yogi Berra, all those guys. Um, he was there for a while. Um, but just the first names that come to mo- come into mind are probably Bruce Bochy. Uh, he just retired this year, so I want to give him some love. Uh, Tony La Russa uh, from the Cardinals and the A's. Um, Bobby Cox with the Braves. And... Honestly, I think the best coach still left is probably, um, I mean, Dusty Baker's coaching this year. So him and probably Terry Francona, you have a love. Uh, a fun fact, in the 98 World Series, the manager for the Padres was Bruce Bochy. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, that is right. Great, great catcher, great manager as well. Yeah. It's just crazy to think that like if you catchers are more likely to become managers and managers, any other position yeah. just because yeah. in catcher you're already basically like a manager. You like you're you're more involved in the game during the game than like most managers are. And they have to prep before the game as well. Like they gotta know yeah. like like each batter, bro, like where they stand and stuff like that. The pitching rotation. They gotta know what pitch throwing what they gotta memorize everything. It's just a tough job. And like you said, there's a lot of catchers like that as managers today. Like Mike Sosha, like for the Angels, who like yeah. just like re- I think he retired, right? Or did he like just like Leave. I don't know. I, I feel like he's always he always has a spot with that team. But I think they got a new coach. I think Angels manager. Uh, let me look it up. But I think it's Joe Madden, right? The Angels. Yeah, Angels got Joe Madden. Oh yeah, yeah. When they got Anthony Run as well, huh? They just everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that uh, Angels team, if they don't make the uh, playoffs this year, I don't think Mike Trout will ever. <laughs> make the playoffs ever again <laughs> well they got um, a good team man they got a good side of the infield with Andrewton Simmons and Rendon right there at the spot like that's that's pretty good of an infield already yeah my my thing with the Angels is they always have the hitting but they don't have the pitching and they always waste the spot with pool holes with the DH like you can't just like cut them off because like they still own like another 70 million dollars but yeah, yeah um it's true it's true um, just if you just look at their team, like it's a really good team. Justin Upton, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Andrelton Simmons, Pujols, Rendon. Um, uh, I think the pitching staff they have Dylan Bundy from the Orioles. I always remember him because uh, he got picked over Buster Posey, and they also have um, Matt Andrezi, Cam Bedrosian. Who else do they have in their pitching staff? Andrew Heaney's there, I think. Um, yeah, I can't, Julio Tehran, uh, those are, like, good names who've never kind of d- done their best, but, like, I guess Shohei Otani counts as a pitcher, so, too, but, yeah, it's just interesting to see if some, at least some of these guys will make it. Yeah, most definitely, bro, most definitely. Um, like, I don't know, it's just, it's just too hard to put in perspective with things right now, like, come on, like, with with those like eighty games things and stuff like that, like I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. Hard. Do you think the younger teams are more likely to do well with a shortened season of like eighty games in like less than three like four months, five months? Or do you think it's gonna be like the older teams who have experience who have more experience and they're probably able to get their bodies ready quicker than the younger dudes? Like who do you think benefits the most from this COVID situation? That's a tough question. I don't know, cause like everybody has their own different work ethic, you know. Yeah. Um. That's that's hard, you know, cause like, I, I'm. I think right now, like the younger generation is so happy they they might play only seven inning games, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. But like, then you're gonna be like the old school guys, including the managers, might not like that, you know. Yeah. It, it, time will tell, bro. We'll, we're going to find out if it actually works out. But I don't know. I don't know. It, it's going to be so hard to, like, I don't know. 
to put everybody like in a wild card? Is it gonna be a wild card? Like stuff like that. Like it's gonna make a difference. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think like some players want to play, some players don't want to play. Like I obviously think it's it's gonna come down to the owners versus players once again, and. I honestly hope, like, that there's a strike just so, like, things finally get cleared up. Uh, Just because, like, the last time that there was a strike, I remember they had, like, the whole replacement players thing that could come in and all these things that could happen. So I think – but now it honestly is going to come down to them removing that rule. Like, do you know that weird rule where, like, rookies, like, they always make them start, like, bring them up to the majors, like, after April, like, 18th or so just so they can – get them for one more year with their service contracts I and then like you always like the rookie contracts like the rookies make like $566,000 or something and then like all the like the veterans make 10 times that amount so it's just gonna be interesting to see if they fix those rules because I feel, only feel like the players union is gonna want that but then there's gonna be a lot of veterans who don't want that because or there's gonna be like a lot of owners who don't want that because that means less money in their pockets so Someone has to give, and I don't think it's going to be the players this time. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, there was so much stuff that happened because of the '94 Mac. It's like so much stuff yeah. like got like canceled. It's crazy. We would we would have been able to see uh, Tony Gwynn break that 400. Break break into that four hundred batting average, which has never been done since like Ted Williams. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some stuff that could have happened. Even you know what's the best part about it? The Montreal Expos were gonna go to the World Series, man. In '94, they were yeah. contenders to be in that World Series. If that World Series happened, I think the Montreal still have a team. Oh yeah, most definitely. Oh yeah, they had a great team. Um, Moises Alou, Vladdy Guerrero, they have so many great young players who were at their prime, dude. They were they were great players. Um, dude, uh I didn't I don't know if you saw this, but um Starling Marte's wife died yesterday of a heart attack. Oh wow. Yeah, that's sad. I saw that and I was like, Oh, like it was in Spanish, so like I, I didn't understand it. So then like I went under and everyone was like, Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then um Instagram gave me like the new translation button and then I was like, Oh my god, that's so sad. And especially during this time, like it's just I can't even like think like imagine what that's like for them. Yeah, bro, like that's such such just horrible. Condolences to him and his family right now, man. It's yeah, it's crazy. Definitely. And Cologne wants to come back for one more year. He's 46 <laughs> years old, has one of the best moments in baseball when he hit that inside fastball off of James Shields to home uh, for a home run in Padres uh, Petco Park. <laughs> yeah. Way back, way back, really. Oh, like I don't know, big city. I don't know. He's he's a goat. You know, he's a goat. My favorite memory from that is after that when they. When all the entire like team is in the dugout, or like they leave the dugout, and then when Cologne comes, he's like he knows what's happening, so he just kind of walks away, and then they all come back, and they all give him a huge hug. It's like oh my god, like crazy. Um, yeah, bro, I don't know. he's he's just a fun player to watch, man. Like I don't know, he just plays the game to have fun. Like 
Yeah, there's like, he has like a huge smile on his face. Like I remember one time, like someone hit a home run off of him. Like he was mad, but he was like, God damn it. Like that was five years before, like I would have gotten him. I, I don't think he thought that, but it just seemed like he, he was like, I knew I could get you back then. I forget yeah. who it was. I think it was Belcher or someone, but yeah. I remember uh, when Albert Pujols hit a home run, he like like ran like around him and just like on his jersey like that. Just like ran yeah. around. Yeah. <laughs> Just they, I don't know. I feel like Latin players bring more fun into baseball. Not to yeah. say anything bad mm-hmm. about American ball players or anything like that. I just feel like the Latin culture has another way of having fun in baseball. Like, they're just little kids, you know. Like yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, that's. For, do you have anything else you wanted to talk about or just thought of? Oh man! Uh, I just look at the O2 Yankees ro- uh, athletics roster, dude. They had uh, Carlos Pena on that team. I only remember him for like, yeah. They they traded him. They traded him to move Adelberg to first base. He, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. Was uh, Pena was on the. Did he played for a lot of teams? But I remember him for the Devil Rays or Tampa. Yeah, Bay. he was in the 08 when they went to yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That 08 team is probably one of my favorite teams for the race. Well, let, let's talk about that next week because I knew we, we said that we'd talk about it this week, but we'll watch that 08 World Series so and we'll talk about it next week. Oh, yeah. And I think that's it. So any closing messages? Everybody just know that – I know this quarantine stuff is kind of over, but just want everybody to stay safe still, yeah. like, don't think the virus just ended, the quarantine just ended, but just still be safe, take precautions, and just keep going. We're going to get through this together, and uh, we're just here to talk about baseball to keep you guys entertained while you guys are at home. And without baseball right now, this is, this is probably, we're going to try to provide you with the best baseball information we have for the past, present, and maybe the future. So just yeah, keep, keep cool. listening, please. <laughs> <laughs> yep, let's go. Yep, that's all I have too. So we're going to pause this recording.